Welcome to another edition of the Comedian's Table here on 93.1 CFIS FM. I'm your host, Brian Major. I'm your host, Brian Major. <laughs> Sorry, can we restart? <laughs> no. I was getting jumping. No, no. <laughs> I'm your host, Brian Major. Uh, the Comedian's Table, for those of you unaware, every comedy venue should or does have a table set aside for the comedians to sit around before, during, and after the show for where we can chill, relax, hang out, BS, catch up. And gossip. <laughs> and that's what this is. A bunch of comedians sitting around the table. Even though I no longer do comedy, I still love hanging out with comedians. That's you do comedy. Is. Yeah, that's right. Um, tonight my guest is... Chris Gaskin. Yeah. I I got... I wouldn't say drag back in, but there was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. Um, Kylie Lewis Holt mm-hmm. messaged me out of the blue. She goes... Hey, you want to go check out this venue, the firm? They want to do shows. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you haven't seen it, have you? I haven't seen it yet. You've seen only pictures? I've only seen pictures. So I'm I've seen looking pictures. forward to this. doesn't look like much. When you get there, you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. Low ceilings, good sight lines. Um. Four by eight stage. I mean, one one of the issues. Um, hundred seats, hundred plus seats. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, there's a bar downstairs. You can bring food down there. Um, not much of a backdrop, but it's a great venue. I don't. Oh, the the owner told us some of the headliners that have come through in the past. Mm-hmm. They say it's got a comedy club like feel. So picture the the old comedy mix mm-hmm. minus those big pillars. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Minus the green room. I mean, that sounds... Smaller stage. Because this stage is only four by eight. I thought you were trying to sell me on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah. The you had it sounding so is, great. Yeah, the mix then, is great. But I'm, I mean, it's I'm not sure the mix. Gonna be, I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So I... Like I'm glad you guys brought me out for this. I'm I, honestly I'm honored that I'm the first one that you guys brought out. I I had you're been the, you're the only one we considered. There well, was no one else. I mean that means a lot. Um, I I know I had been mulling over coming to town because I grew up here, uh, and I am living out of Vancouver right now. Would have been hilarious if I didn't say Coover at the end of that. Living out of a van right now. <laughs> and, but I, I'm living out of Vancouver, but I wanted to like rebuild my act and I wanted to do it in a way where I could just run an hour for like a full week doing two shows, two to three shows for like the back half. Like I thought you were going to do like five. No. So the idea was like to come in on like uh, a Saturday and do two shows, do a matinee on Sunday and a regular show on Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. In town. In town. Thursday. I just wanted like a small venue that seated like maybe 25 people because I'm testing out material. Like I wanted to reboot the act that way. And just as the week went along – 
just tweaking it and getting it sharper and sharper and sharper. So at the very least, by the end of it, I could have something that I could go like, okay, I could take this on the road to properly start honing it. Like with rep after rep after rep. And do it as like a preview show where I'm doing tickets for like five, ten bucks. Um, and I pitched to a couple of venues. I pitched to one. I'm not going to say who it is uh, because instead of just telling me they had staffing issues and that they couldn't give me a full week like I wanted to, you know, they started trying to sell me on the fact that the room wouldn't be good for comedy. And everything that he was saying was he was like, you know, the ceiling in the venue before. Yes. I've been in the venue before. <laughs> so he'd say like the, you know, the ceilings are really low and I'm like, it's bad for comedy. And I'm like, that's no, that's like a great thing for comedy. You know, it's like, it's a small place. So everyone would be packed in together facing <laughs> the stage. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. Like the lighting just like would only be on you. No one would see anything else. And I'm like, no, this sounds like a place where I'd want to do my show. And they're like, yeah, we can't have you though. Like it's not built for comedy. You know, our sound system, per like the acoustics are perfect for like just voices. Like everything <laughs> that he was saying, every joke you'd feel back immediately. So you'd know if it hit or not. <laughs> It's just it's just bad for comedy, and the entire time I'm on the phone going like, I don't think you know what's good or bad for comedy. Like, I'm not I'm not asking. I I even said like, I'll if you want me to pay to rent it out each night, just give me a break on it, because the the idea wasn't to make money. The idea was to build something to make money. Like, I am I'm trying hard. Uh, to really long game my career now. Do you remember at the end of I Am Comic, the documentary, Todd Glass was describing a comedy club? Yes. I think comedians should have more of a hand in how clubs are designed. If someone wants to open a club, they should hire a veteran comedian. Ugh. I'm now I'm just thinking I, I I hate going back to this club, but like I'm thinking of how Sonar was set up. And like We talked about it I talked about it with Dakota. Yeah. Dakota Ray Hebert when she was in. There was an open house the weekend before it opened. Yeah. I went down there with Neelan Pahal, who no longer is in Prince George. And we walked in and he's telling us, Oh, the the stage is gonna be here. And there's yeah. going to be a row of tables, and then here's a walkway. Yeah, and it's like, why <laughs> Why is there – and he had that walkway. I, I was there multiple times when it was upstairs, and he had that walkway there still. And I was like, why is there this large and gap? So people can in walk in front of the show and go have a smoke yeah, like, during the show. No, that's yeah. – uh, <clears throat> it, it hurts my head thinking about that club all the time. <laughs> I'm like – you're right. If if they had asked, but I mean, like, I know that uh, that club got feedback from comedians that were like, hey, like, if you did this, it would make for a better show. And then the owner would just be like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's like that guy who's been doing comedy for 25 years doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, I think he might have some idea of what he's talking <laughs> about. 
of what would make for a good show. Did you ever hear the Mike McGuire story? No. When he showed us the entire venue. Yeah. Right? When Mike was shown the basement, he said to the owner, this, this is where you should do comedy. Yeah. Because it's, it's smaller, more intimate, lower ceiling. And then they eventually moved down there. And Mike was kind of. <laughs> yeah, but like they moved down there because they stopped selling tickets because they were putting on. They were bringing in comics who either weren't ready for it or like bringing in shows. And I'm trying not to make a dig at like all the guys from Kelowna because there's some really good comics that live there. But he had shows where like they'd bring up six open micers from Kelowna to do a show. And within a year, he did that like four or five times. And it's like, you know, you bring your date out to a show, get a couple drinks, you know, you're spending 80, 90 bucks to see the show. And then that's what you see. Like, why are you going to come back to that show? Like, if you're running shows, that pitch should be, here's a great show, so you're going to want to come back to it. Like, when I when I ended at Yuck Yucks, like, I, I was selling merch afterwards, and, I, God, this makes me sound like such a <laughs> narcissist. <laughs> I, But, like, a couple people were like, when are you coming back? Like, we, we got to come back to this club. And like a few people were like, we're going to come back like in a couple of weeks. Are you going to be here? And I was like, no, I'm not. But like, like I at least put on a good enough show that people were like, I want to come back and see another show here. And, and it's like, that's the type of comic you should be hiring. You know, it's like, yeah, you can bring in six guys from Kelowna and not pay them a lot. But like, again, it's short term thinking. Well, we got 90 people in here and we paid these guys a fraction of what I'd pay a single headliner, so it's more profit for me. But if you aren't thinking of building it, right? Yeah. There's no way that noise didn't make it through <laughs> to the broadcast. Like, yeah. I, what are you doing long? Like, do you have a long term? I know you mentioned on the last episode that you had me on that you were thinking of maybe moving to Saskatoon, but like in your mind. No, that was for uh, a few months. Oh, for a few months. Okay. Yeah. I just want to get to know the guys. Uh, Long-term goals. Yeah. It's not to do comedy. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I'd like to do it (laughs) sporadically. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd also, I'd like to become, a booker, a manager. Okay. Because um, I, I think I know comedy well enough to uh-huh. know, okay, this guy's got it. I want to, you know, get him a bunch of gigs. Um, I'd like to run a festival. Yeah. Uh, with grant money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like an indigenous festival. Sure. Whether it be one time or over the years and um you know what i actually thought about was i I had an idea for a documentary which is still going to be made Uh where i teach a bunch of indigenous youth how to do stand-up comedy and i thought well do i move to saskatoon where there's a bunch of comedians already 
or uh-huh. do I just develop them here? Oh, like find them and mold them into my own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, where would I look even? But well, that when I thought of that, I was like, mm, that's interesting as well. That's, that's where the documentary comes in as yeah. well. I mean, I think that's a great documentary idea. So to tell us, yeah, they were going to give me ten thousand bucks. Yeah, but I passed. Did for one else. for twenty three thousand dollars. <laughs> that's also a good idea. It is. You've you've already announced it on the show, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, I'll be submitting. It's called um, other voices. <laughs> Right, 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 yeah. I'm that's still talk about to, yours. Still trying to figure out what I'm going to title. You don't have going. a title, uh, so I I'm still pitching it. So it, like, there's no, I'm not making an announcement on it. But the idea that I had is because uh, Vancouver can be a clicky scene, but it's not fractured. Dylan Jay said that he's Dakota Ray Hebert's yes. husband. Yeah. It's it's not fractured, but there are definite like segments, and and you can. Is it divided up into type of comedians? I wouldn't say that. No. I mean, th- there there are actually like a few types that will only hit certain shows, but I wouldn't say that it's divided up into a certain type okay. of comedian. Um, I will say that like there are comedians with a certain mentality that run shows that don't necessarily want comedians that have other ideas. Whereas I've always been like, what do you mean by other ideas? Like, like anything diverse or against what they're thought, like they might be say a little bit more right wing politically. And it's like, if anyone left wing, they're like, well, I'm not having that person on the show, but it's like, I've always been like Eileen left one of my favorite comics is, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, and it's for the life of me. Ryan Lachance? Uh, no, I, I love Ryan Lachance. <laughs> he's great. Uh, he leans back. Uh, he's in a wheelchair. He's got cerebral palsy, but he's so funny. He's so funny. Uh, no, um, Nick DiPaolo is one of my favorite comedians, and Nick DiPaolo is like, a, like right wing to a point that you go, I think this guy might be insane. But he's so funny that I I love the act. And if I was running a show, I'd book him. I'd book Mark Maring, who's very left-wing, who's also very funny. Like, because diversity isn't just flesh tone. It's ideas. It's viewpoint. It, you know what I mean? So Vancouver... Is divided in that way? Not a little bit. A little bit, but it's not like it's not enough that you go like, "Well, here's your core group here," because like <laughs> anyone who's talented will just play all the rooms, right? So like, but because of that, I I look at the scene and I, and I think it lacks a community feel. Like, there's still great comics, and there's still a scene, and you can still... But, like, there's nowhere to hang out. And when I talk to comics who have been doing it longer than me, they had a place uh, that was doing comedy on Tuesday nights where, like, every comic would go 
to that venue that night all the time. And I want to know why was that? What's different now? Like, so you should already have the answers to that. I should. (laughs) I should. I think I have an idea of what they are. I, I also think I have an idea of what certain people will say, and I don't think it's actually the case. You have to have a beginning, middle, end. And like my mentor said, yes, that's what it's about. Yeah. But what is it about? Capital bold letters. What is it about? I mean, it's... Yeah, it's about the comedians that were went to this restaurant to do comedy on a Tuesday night. But what is it about? It's about the scene now. And why is it not like that? So you're looking back historically at this venue. Yeah. Comparing it to now. Yeah. When there's really nothing to compare it to. I, Do you see what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I'm comparing it to the scene as a whole. There is something to okay. compare it to. It's, it's just because nothing like that exists. I have ideas of why it is, of why something like that doesn't exist now. But I also, I want to hear from people back then that are still working regularly now, why they think that. Because I want to see if their answer matches what my hypothesis is. Do you have a story? A story? Yeah. Do you have a main character you want to follow? No. No? No, it's it's just a documentary about... Or is the character the venue? The, the, the character's nostalgia. That's what the character is. The character's nostalgia. Okay. You don't have a title? I don't working have a working title. T- I, I've got a working <laughs> title, but it's like I'm still kind of playing around with it. Uh, the The working title is probably something on like Urban Well Myths or like uh, because the the I venues, like legends. You like legend? I did yeah. like legends too. I, I'm <laughs> I'm still. Well, I was kind of playing with Urban Myth as a. Thing. I guess urban legend is also works well, but like, yeah, it's just every time I hear a comedian talk about that place, like the level of reverence I hear, I don't even hear that about like great comedy clubs that like people love to play. You haven't seen the comedy store doc yet? I haven't yet. But that's I, why you're saying that. That is probably <laughs> why I'm saying that. Because they do talk about it with reverence. Like it's, Ground Zero, it's church, it's uh, Mecca, it's all these things. That's, that's sure. the things they say. I mean, like, you also hear that about um, the Comedy Cellar in New York. Rewatch um, When Comedy Stood Up. Is that what it's called? Stood Out. Stood the, out. the Boston one. The Boston scene. Yeah, that one's great. Yeah. Rewatch that one again. Yeah, I will. But I... I Again, I, I think the Vancouver scene what is about such a an reunion? interesting. We uh, plan a show at the end, and it's a reunion show. Yeah, but that venue does not exist anymore. You can, they, I mean, they didn't. Well, in the remember in the Boston. Oh one, yeah, they did it at a different yeah. venue. Yeah, that's true. That's a great idea. I should get more credit for this. Yeah, you should. <laughs> If I was allowed to do more than one documentary at a time by Tell a Story Hive, this is the one I would do. <laughs> I, I, I mean, could I not 
include you as like a producer or something? Yeah, you have to hire like a BIPOC person yeah. for the crew. So, Okay. <laughs> I'll have to figure that out. I, I don't think I hope, I'll help you with the budget. Yeah. <laughs> and the writer <laughs> gets more than 20% of the, the grant. It's a huge grant, by the way. Yeah. Huge grant. No, huge grant. It's a huge grant. It's, I, you know, I hope that it's something that TELUS is interested in. You have to think and of what they're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's just the, the thing that I realize is like anytime I bring up the subject, not of the documentary, but like the subject to any comedian from that time, like their face lights up. Like, oh, let me. Who, who are you talking about? Like, Damon Schroeder, Patrick Maliha. Yeah, all of those guys. James Stanton, uh, Pete Johansson, like everyone, Simon King, everyone who worked back then. And I, I say like, hey, what about this? I actually watched one time. <laughs> there, there was a, a booker in Vancouver. His name was Johnny Scoop. And he, he started uh, a bit before me, but it was after the Urban Well was running and he was kind of uh I don't know what the best way to describe him as that's not super insulting. Uh <laughs> like I I don't want to say skeezy, but like kind of like that. And I remember one time he was just like, oh you know, the old urban well days, it's nothing like it was back then. And one of the comics from back in that day just turned and was like, Johnny, you weren't around then. Shut up. And I laughed so hard. There wasn't even anything comparable. No. To that when we were there. No. Maybe Kino. But I don't even know if it was like comedians didn't necessarily congregate there afterwards. No. And my thought is like, why? Where would it need to be for comedians to congregate? Who would need to be there? Like, you you, you need like a like a linchpin or something. Quite possibly. Hmm. I don't know if that's what it was. I know a few people who will probably say that's exactly what it was, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. You know. I think having a great show, like the, there are regular great shows in Vancouver right now. And this is when most of those guys were starting out, correct? So how good could they have been? Or were they good when they started out? Um, I I mean, is anyone really good when they're starting out? <laughs> like at anything, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I did a podcast for a, a while and by the end of it. One of them was talking about they felt like rock stars when they did that show. Yeah. I mean, I like who it was. I think it was Damon, Damon Schroeder. Probably. I mean, like, where where do you go that you really feel like that nowadays? It's like, you know, and and that's again, that's what I want to explore. Like, really, what what Are do you they jealous? think? Am I just no, not really? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I am. Absolutely. I I would love. Uh, a place that really I would like to be running a show in the type of show where comics are coming we out to hang out and, and like trying to put on as good a show as possible. I, I mean, that's, 
because I like you, like the idea of this show. I love hanging out with comics. Like it's fun. <laughs> I like the you know the the. Can I can I share share share, like, share a quick story? Yeah, there was a new comedian. We were talking about uh, Alex McKenzie. Okay. Alex McKenzie sold his house, bought an RV, now travels around doing comedy. Yeah. And we were talking about what it would take to move forward in our career. And we were just kind of joking. I said, hey, maybe you got to sell your house and buy an RV. And (laughs) then he goes, then he goes, uh, and change my name to Alex. And we had laughed when I said, sell your house and buy an RV. Yeah. But when he said, change my name to Alex. Yeah. The joke was kind of already over. Right. And, we didn't laugh. And then afterwards he pulls it. He's like, Hey, I didn't mean anything by it. like, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah, yeah, wasn't, yeah. yeah. It had run its course. Right. But he, he felt like, um, he had disrespected us or, you know, made an inappropriate comment. Yeah. Just by saying, I'm going to change my name to Alex. I, I mean, and we're like, no dude, you're with comics. You, we, we got what you were doing. And I mean, there, there have been times where, cause I like, to bust chops a lot and there have been times where it, but only with people that i like like i'm never going after someone i don't like because then it'll it'll just be mean <laughs> uh and typically i don't give them the time of the day you know i'll be cordial but it's like i'm i'm not i'm not out to like like th- i don't gel with them so why am i going to try to make that work in a way but like with people that I like, I will bust chops and you know make jokes. And like I've had people that go like, "Oh, you're like a jerk." And then you know how we talk about our class. Yeah. Do you ever cross the class line and socialize with people outside your class? Yeah. I mean, now I have to because there's only like three of us from my class. Mm. Like everyone's falling off. People who were getting like a relative level of success gone gone i mean like names that were names that were progressing faster than me like chris james james masters you know uh sean emony although that one's kind of a different story um oh i hear about that one after uh yeah we that's something we'd have to talk about off air um I mean, Lauren McGibbon's getting back into it, which is exciting, but like it's interesting because now you're watching someone who hasn't performed comedy like stand up in years. So it's like, she's trying to find her legs again. Uh, but watching her do crowd, cause she's been doing improv all this time, watching her do crowd work. It's like, yeah, she's still very funny. Um, but like, yeah, most of the people I, Mel might kind of be my Mel class. Rose. Mel, yeah. Melanie Rose. I think she's more in mine, but she, I, yeah, I was going to say she's probably the class before me technically. Um, most everyone else, Mike Greenwood would be my class and he's in, but like, yeah, most of the comics from my class gone. It, it, it's a war of attrition sometimes, Brian. <laughs> Do you have anything to plug in the next three weeks? Um, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, I've like, I've got a couple corporates lined up, but that's nothing that people can come to. Uh, if you go to my website, chrisgaskin.net, I have my comedy special available for sale. It's called Working with the Negatives. 
Um, Saturday, March 25th, Kylie Lewis Holt is hosting or is headlining the local comedy showcase. Oh, go out to that. Please go out to that. She's so firm. Eight o'clock. Tickets are 20 bucks. Um, you can find it on Bright Kype Entertainment Presents. Um, yeah. Have you figured out when you're doing your doc one yet? No, we're having a meeting tomorrow. Okay. And that's it. Um, this has been another edition of the Comedian's Table here on 93.1 CFIS FM. I'm your host, Brian Major. Tonight, my guest was Chris Gaskin, and thank you for having me. Don't say that. Thanks for listening. Listen on Spotify. <laughs>